Uninvisible is a support podcast that deals squarely with medical issues that present unique advocacy issues for individuals. We do not provide medical advice. Please consult with your physician for any medical issue that you are facing. Information and comments that you send to us are governed by our terms of service and privacy policy which are available on our website located at uninvisiblepod.com. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily the opinion of Uninvisible or the show sponsors. Any advertising that you may hear is accepted without regard to our editorial content. Welcome to Uninvisible. I'm your host, Lauren Friedman. And I'm here with my guests to bring you info, insights, and inspiration for coping with, diagnosing, and treating invisible illness. We're here oversharing, so you don't have to struggle with invisibility anymore. Okay, guys, I've cooked up something amazing with my friend Natalie Y. Beavers, founder of Angels of Epilepsy, and it's all yours for free now. Go to my website at uninvisiblepod.com and download your free ebook called Hacking Healthcare, a resource guide Natalie and I have compiled using not only our experiences in the healthcare system, but also with the assistance of other patient leaders who have added their two cents. From a message of empowerment to notes on navigating health insurance and your doctor's visit, this is an invaluable guide intended to make healthcare more approachable and to give you the tools you need to succeed. This resource has been incredibly eye-opening and important to us, and we hope that with it, you will see real results and improve your experience in the system. Once more, that's a free download of Hacking Healthcare at uninvisiblepod.com. Go check it out, guys. Thank you. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I am here today with a familiar voice. You may remember last year we had the lovely Nitika Chopra on our show, and she's back because there have been some developments since we last had her on. If you recall, Nitika lives with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. She has for the last 30 years. She's been creating content for the last 11 of those years and has her own global TV talk show called Naturally Beautiful, as well as an online magazine called Bella Life. She's also the founder of Chronicon, which at this point, if you don't know about Chronicon, guys, like go look it up because like it is the best thing ever. And she's had to make some shifts because of hashtag COVID. So Nitika, we're so excited to have you back on the show. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. I have the biggest smile on my face right now. <laughs> I just feel so warm and fuzzy inside that I get to be with you today and all of you listening. This is so exciting. Uh, the feeling is completely mutual. Right before we hit record on this thing, we were having a mutual appreciation society membership meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. As yes. we do often. Yeah. Well, and speaking of mutual appreciation societies, Chronicon is one of those. And we talked about your journey with psoriatic arthritis and chronic pain and how it led you to create Chronicon when we had you on the show last year. So can you share a little more today about how you became a patient advocate, like just a little refresher for our listeners and why this work is so meaningful to you? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I started my content creation career, as as you mentioned, about 11 years ago. And it started with an online magazine, Bella Life, and parlayed into a talk show called Naturally Beautiful, as, as you mentioned, all those things. And, you know, at the time when I was doing all of that, I really focused on self-love. I focused on beauty as an access point to self-love. And 
I, I was being honest about everything I was sharing. It was where I was at at the moment, but I really wasn't comfortable making, you know, my chronic illness story and journey the focal point of my life. I just, there's no other way to say it. I didn't even realize that I wasn't comfortable, to be honest with you, if someone brought it up you know, and said, oh, you should talk to more people about this or you should, you know, share this more. I'd be like, no, 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 nobody wants to hear that. Like, that's kind of how <laughs> I felt about it for a while because, and I'm sure your listeners and, and you can relate, like there wasn't a lot of people talking about their health in a way that felt inspiring. You know, it always felt really dark and it just, for me as someone who had dealt with incredibly debilitating, you know, chronic conditions, I really needed to have light and hope. And so I never wanted to talk about my health. One, I never wanted to share it in a way that would make me feel more sick, right? And then I also didn't want to make other people feel depressed or, you know, make them feel like they have to feel sorry for me or any of those things. So it was really a long journey. I mean, it was about eight years before I really went for it. I was never ashamed. If anyone ever asked me, I would always be honest with them and be comfortable telling them. It was sort of something hidden on my about page that I had dealt with these you know, conditions, but I never led with it. And I would say in 2017, you know, it was right after the election. It was such a dark time in so many ways, especially as a woman of color. There were things coming to the surface in my life that were just so profound and things that I really caught me off guard. And it was it was a great equalizer. You know, it was also a great way, well, equalizer maybe isn't the right word. It was a great way to sift out what meant something to me and what didn't and what really mattered. And so... I just felt like there was nothing else that I could do but share this thing, this journey. And and the thing that I know more about than anything is what it's like to live with a chronic illness. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, you know, a healer in any traditional sense of the word. I am a patient and I come from the patient perspective, but there is nothing I know more than the thousands of doctor's appointments that I have had and what it feels like to go to them and the pills and the shots and the things and all that and what it feels to live with that. So I started my journey really in telling people about, about my story um, in 2017, really just going for it. And then it it just kind of snowballed from there as I think a lot of people can relate to like when you finally do the thing that you know, the universe has probably been like trying to yell at you to do for a really long time. (laughs) Um, You know, everything sort of starts to come together a little bit more easily and things start to click. And I felt like things that I was grasping for with the self-love and beauty conversations were all of a sudden like, oh yeah, we want to talk to you exactly about the thing that you want to share about. So yeah, yeah, so that's a little bit about that. Absolutely. And I remember last time you were on the show, and this is a conversation that comes up a lot in your work as well, which I really appreciate. You also mentioned that you had gone down that rabbit hole of toxic positivity, right? And had done so much work and research in how to improve your mindset to make yourself a quote unquote better person, despite all the pain that you were living with so much so that you got to the point where you kind of reached breaking point and you were like, actually there's no message of it's okay to not be okay in here. 
Um, and your remedy has been your work as well as your podcast, The Point of Pain, which I should have mentioned at the top, which is super important because there is a point to this pain and that's so much of what you're offering to this community. So can you talk to us a little bit about that too? And, and you know, about how that shift happened in the midst of this shift into claiming your true narrative? Yeah, um, that's such a powerful question. I mean, I think it it all you know, happened in chunks and like is all happening all the time at the same, at the same time. Right. So I, I really started to understand toxic positivity in my mid twenties, you know, to, to late twenties when I had sort of come to the other side of the most aggressive parts of my health journey. And I understood that I was really just being fed a lot of, you should say this affirmation, you should just think one way, you should listen to the secret. You know, my last name is Chopra, so everyone assumes that like Deepak and I are like family, we're not. Wait, you're not? (laughs) I know, I know, I'm sorry, we're not. But you know, just like listen to this meditation and then like if you're still sick, there's something wrong wrong with you is basically like what I was being fed from the self-help world. And while I know that meditation is helpful, I know that saying positive affirmations are helpful and eating certain foods and getting a certain amount of movement in, it's, it's all helped me. It is not the only thing. And it does not mean that if I'm not able to cure myself, that there is something wrong with me, you know, and it took me decades to get to that place. It took me a very long time. I didn't understand. I would have never understood what that even meant, you know, in my early 20s because the wellness industry is not set up to have us really thrive. And I think that's the thing that makes, you know, my work now very different. We're not about, you know, you'll never see us right anywhere that we're trying to make you heal. You know, that is not something you will ever hear come out of my mouth, okay? Because I don't know how to make you heal. Most of your doctors don't even know how to make you heal. Only thing I can tell you is how to have spiritual connection, maybe if that's your thing, how to feel emotionally connected to yourself, how to create community in a way that nurtures you. And to me, I've found those daily steps, sometimes minute to minute steps, sometimes monthly steps when we're going through a flare, we just don't have the energy those accumulate into us feeling better, into us thriving in our lives more. But that looks so different for everyone. And I think the thing that's different about Chronicon, which as I said, the wellness industry is not about, right? So if I don't, if I don't convince you that you're sick and that there's a cure for it and that I have the cure, then what am I even selling you? Right. And it's this whole, I mean, don't even get me started about capitalism and all we won't go into all that, but, but it is this, this kind of vicious cycle, you know, of like, I need to show you that you're sick, that there's something wrong with you really so that I can fix you. Because if I don't show you that I can fix you, then I'm not worth, I'm not like, what do you need with me? Right. So then there's mm. a place like Chronicon that's like, we love you. We love you exactly where you are, whether you're phoning in from bed or you're, you know, on a walk and it's the only walk you've done all week or whatever it might be, or you're managing so many different things. We love you exactly where you are 
And we're just going to like infuse your life with so much, you know, vibrancy and joy and beauty and connection that I know this is going to make you feel better, even if it's 1% a month or 10% a week or whatever it amounts to for you, however much you can handle, however much you're able to participate is really what it comes down to. But it's not about it's not about us healing you. And in theory, people could do that on their own, right? Like the whole, you can do all of these things. A lot of people do. I mean, I, I was doing a lot of these things that we do in Chronicon by myself, but there is a very different experience when you come together with other people who are exactly like you. And I have to say, everyone in Chronicon is so beautiful. I just can't even get over it. Like everyone is just, and I mean that in the fullest sense of the word, right? They are just, just incredible, incredible humans. And it just, it it creates a totally different experience when you are in a community of people and you're all sort of reflecting, you know, what's possible back and forth with each other. Um, yeah. Anyway, I could go on a tangent about that, but. Well, I mean, it's amazing. And this is the thing is that, so Chronicon started as an event, an in-person event that you launched in 2019 and because of COVID, because, None of us are traveling, especially those of us who are chronically ill. And um, because the world has kind of changed a bit, you've pivoted in response. So can you tell us about how Chronicon has continued to develop in the face of COVID-19 and how this has changed your approach to advocacy as well, like on the day-to-day? Yeah. I mean, so last year, as you said, we did our conference. It was the best day of my life. Um, It really was. We had hundreds of people. We had sold out our our conference, you know, a month before it even happened. Uh, we had thousands of people online live streaming. It was just, it exceeded every expectation really that I had for it. I really was like, is anyone going to even want to come to this thing? I have no idea what's going to happen. And it was, it was kind of mind blowing, you know, what ended up happening. And, um, then obviously I had all of these plans for 2020. I was like, well, great. That was awesome. So let's do it again. And maybe let's do it in a few different places. Let's do it, you know, across the country or whatever. Right. I was really ready to like take it to the next level. And when COVID hit, I I spent the first couple of months, I would say, just kind of in denial a little bit. Um, I wasn't in denial about my own personal need to, you know, isolate and be very particular about what I was doing. But I, I just kept holding on to like, well, maybe by January 2021, we'll be, which is, which is about the amount of lead time I would need, right, to plan something of that scale, we'll be fine. And so I kept trying to make that work in my head at least. And then after a couple of months, I had to really just accept that that wasn't going to be the case. I had to really, I had to grieve a little bit, to be honest with you, because, um, you know, there's a, there's a real magic with in-person and I, I'm a very clear, particular person, you know, like I know I'm an Aries. I know exactly what I want and I know exactly what I don't want. And so I knew that the in-person experience, I wanted that because I really wanted people to feel loved. People with chronic illness to feel loved in the most divine and full sense of the word, right? From every, every cell in their body to feel that. 
which is pretty hard to do when you have a chronic illness. I know from experience. So I just felt like in person it had to be. And um, when I realized that wasn't going to happen, it took me quite a few months to really sit with it. It took me time. I I grieved. I started a few things online. Excuse me. I started a few things online. Like uh, we do the chronic convo series, which we did for a couple of months over on our Instagram where we would, you know, talk to a thought leader um, and do a live Instagram live uh, with them. We have all of those on our IGTV saved. And um, then I started the Chronicles newsletter, which comes out every Wednesday, which has been really fun. And that's been great. So I, I started to play around with a few digital offerings But I obviously knew that I needed to do something much bigger, something to the scale of the conference. And I really didn't know what that would be because, as I've said, I was really clear about the in-person conference. So coming up with the Chronicon community, and, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's a monthly membership program. And we have... We, I'm sure we'll get into more of it, but we have lots of stuff going on there every single day. And... It's really an incredible place, but I I needed it to feel that full. I needed it to feel like you basically had Chronicon in your pocket. Um, otherwise, it just wasn't going to be good enough for me, to be honest with you. I'm like, people's time is so valuable. I know I don't invest in things unless they're like A++ because like who has time to do anything else other than what we're already doing? And I also have a really clear vision of what I want for this company and for this conversation and for the people, you know, the 133 million Americans that have a chronic illness that we know of and obviously people across the globe. So yeah, it took me a long time, but I think what's really come out of it is something I am incredibly proud of, which is the Chronicon community, obviously, and the podcast, The Point of Pain, we're coming out with our next season uh, at the top of the year in 2021. But, you know, it, it just, it took me a while. So when you asked me the advocacy question, I think there is a part of my advocacy that's changed in terms of, you know, just feeling like I can be a... I guess with like an in-person conference, it was just like one day. And so everything was really centered around this one day. And although we have the podcast and, you know, other, uh, other opportunities, there weren't as many opportunities to collaborate. So I think there's a part of that, which I don't even know if I realized until you just asked this question that felt a little bit limiting, you know, because there's, thousands of people that we can feature. There's so many people who are doing amazing work, you know, like you, for example, you had to go to the WeGo Health Awards so you couldn't be there in person, right? So I know. This is like also one of my biggest regrets of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to have another conference soon. And you're going to be right exactly. front and center. I can't wait. <laughs> I cannot wait. Um, but you know, so, so just people that I want to collaborate with like yourself that we just, the time didn't work. Right. So I think the way my advocacy has changed is that because the community, we do events every week, multiple events a week, I can just be like, hey, what are you passionate about? Let's talk about it. Let's find a way. Let's showcase you. And we're posting in there every day. There's already been so many comments and and shares today and our gratitude share and everything that that people are getting, you know, exposure to, to how beautiful and wonderful they are just by being a member. Um, so yeah. I feel like I'm mm. ranting about about how obsessed I am with everybody in the community, but I just, yeah, I do feel that way. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've been a part of the community since you launched it, and 
it is, it's, what I love about it is that it feels personal. I mean, it is a social network, you know, for all intents and purposes where you're posting, we're all communicating, we're messaging each other, you know? Um, And while there is a professional networking element of it, you know, we're like, we're all able to connect on that level. There's also like a direct line to people like you, to people like me, where we're meeting and chatting with people and developing relationships that like, might not have happened otherwise. And that is incredible. There's also an element of it for sure that, um, and I promise I'll be getting to a question at some point. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> I, I'm I just love like Chronicom's biggest fan. So um, there's an element of it as well. And we were talking about this also before I hit record, right? That is about the decolonization of the wellness industry because we see so much of wellness and particularly patient advocacy that's very white in its messaging, right? And to see, I mean, you did an event last week that I attended that you didn't have a single speaker who wasn't a person of color, you know, um, and that is so exciting to, to get new perspectives for someone like me to expand your awareness, but also, you know, for everyone to be engaged in these meaningful, purposeful conversations um, that are as much about your full selfhood as any conversation can be. And like, that's the really exciting part without being like a total Debbie Downer, which like there hasn't been any of that, which has been amazing. So I'm also wondering, given what you've seen as this has continued to grow, what your hope for the future of patient advocacy is for the inclusion of the patient voice. Like how do you see that continuing to develop over time, especially given the work that you're doing in the, the blood, sweat, and tears you're putting into this community on the ground right now. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I don't know if this is a far stretch, but I, I almost think that when you, when you ask me that, I, what comes to mind is I kind of hope that patient advocacy is so integrated. It's not even a thing, you know, like almost half. I don't think that's a stretch. That's awesome. Like, I'm just like, that's kind of what I feel when you say that, like, like, you know, there's half the population pretty much. And probably by this point, you know, because that number I quoted earlier from the National Health Councils was from 2019. There's half the population of this country that has a chronic illness that we know of. Like, why is it treated like some, you know, extraordinary, you know, like out of this world, like who, oh my God, this is such a rare thing. You know, no one is dealing with this. No, it's just that our systems are set up to separate us. Our systems are not set up to support us. Our systems are built to oppress us, you know, in our journey with our health. And so... There is no reason why, given the fact that so many of us are dealing with a chronic illness, that, you know, this shouldn't just be in the vocabulary, that this shouldn't just, like, be part of who we are. Like, you know, and so when when I think about patient advocacy in the future, I just think that, um, I mean, our systems need a complete overhaul, which I I don't know how to do that. I'm I'm more of a I'd say you're doing it, though. (laughs) I mean, like, because part of it is just showing up in in your authentic self, isn't it? And like offering a solution, which is what the Chronicon community is. I appreciate that. 
Thank you. I really do appreciate that. Um, and yeah, and I, I think that's that was sort of the moment that I had to come to at one point, you know, when I decided to start talking about my health journey in this way. I was like, well, I see that some people talk about it and they like go, you know, try to pass bills and they go try to like really change our government systems and like our laws, which is so, which I'm like, thank you for doing that because I'm sure that's made my life a lot easier many times over because people have done that. And then there's this other thing where I'm like, well, I don't really know how to do that, but I know how to like create content and I'm a media person. So, and the media is integrated into like every facet of our lives, whether it's social media or watching TV or going to a con, you know, when we used to go to concerts, um, absorbing oh, music or I know, yeah. RIP. <laughs> yeah, um, RIP, that's yeah. right. <laughs> But, you know, it's it's just swir- we're just swirling in media all the time, whether we, you know, think about it that way or not. So I was like, well, if I can infiltrate the media somehow, <laughs> that's really, I mean, top secret, just so you guys know, that's really the plan for us to, <laughs> for us to take over the media one conversation at a time, one well, community that's how it happens. at a time. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely how it happens. And, you know, I mean, I don't want to talk more about like the separateness factor here, you know, like what makes everyone so unique and different within the community. Cause as you mentioned, it is about this whole and an integration of the whole, but as we are undergoing those shifts in the narrative, as we are becoming aware of what keeps us apart and finding ways to come together, which is exactly what you're doing in the community. Why is diversity in the patient advocacy voice so vital? Why is it so important to include so many different perspectives? Well, you know, it's funny because, well, we were talking about this before we started too. Um, <laughs> I swear, we're just repeating our conversation from I, earlier, which is perfect. <laughs> we should have just been recording that. Um, I was. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have right. it. Don't worry. Right. Perfect. Perfect. Um, you know, I think what I what I was kind of saying before and what I really believe is that it's sort of like the advocacy question that you just asked me. Like, I feel like diversity shouldn't even be a word that we have to use. Like there are just so many different types of people everywhere. And that is just the way that it is. Like, why does it have to be like, oh, we're diverse now because we have, you know, a person of color or a non-binary person or, you know, a tall person or a short person or whatever. I'm just like, this is just humanity. You know, like I've been a brown person my whole life. Like this is not something that I put on or I try to accent so that I can like, you know, fit into a cool box now that everybody wants to talk about it. This is just my life, you know, so and and the lives of millions, hundreds of millions of people, right? It's it's I'm not special in that way. So I kind of am like while I appreciate that people, this is the gateway drug, you know, to us (laughs) kind of feeling like we we're more comfortable. We understand it. There's educational aspects to the diversity conversation that are super important for communities that might not understand why it's so important to be as inclusive as we need to be. Um, For me, like personally, I'm just kind of like, wake up people. Like we've been here since the beginning of time. I'm sorry that you're just now noticing us, but that's, that's really how I, I have no filter people in case you guys didn't notice. I have zero filter. So I love you. (laughs) That's why I love you too. Um, But that's really how I feel about it. And even like with, you know, when you mentioned that we did an event last week and 
we had, you know, black, brown, you know, speakers and nobody, you know, uh, that was white necessarily. And I was just like, yeah, you know, when I look back at so many of my podcast interviews, so many of our, um, you know, panels at Chronicon, all these things, I didn't ever feel like, oh my God, I better have, you know, a black person on this thing, or I better have a brown speaker who does this thing. It's just like, oh my God, I know this badass person and oh yeah, they happen to be black or brown or, you know, non-binary or they happen to be, you know, they live in a totally different part of the world that I didn't know anything about or, you know, whatever community that they might be a part of that's just so different from, from what I know. And it's just, yeah, I think I could go on a whole tangent about it and I probably already did, but I just feel (laughs) like it shouldn't really be, you know, like I said, like the advocacy conversation, I just look forward to the day where it's not like, because a lot of times, this is the last thing I'll say about it. A lot of times I look at a lot of these conferences and this is something that I really love about your podcast because I look at your podcast and I can tell with every speaker that you have in your po- every guest you have in your podcast, I feel when I look at your shows, oh, she really wanted to have that guest on her show. Yeah. She's not like, oh, I need to fill, you know, my quota for like a brown girl. So I'm going to have Nitika on your show. No, oh, I but- so appreciate that. Let's. No, but you you can feel the difference, you know, and there's so many, whether it's podcasts or conferences, communities that are like, oh crap, we've had, you know, too many X people. Now we need Y people or whatever. Tokenism. Yeah, exactly. And so I just look forward to the day where that's just like not even a Mm. thing that we talk about, to be honest. And even like from a disability perspective, that there's no like disability tokenism too. Like just- even if that's the one layer of identity that we're, we're dealing with. Absolutely. I completely agree, especially for the disabled community. Like they shouldn't have one person in a wheelchair as like their token person for this campaign. Like, oh, look how inclusive we are because we had someone. In, I'm like, no, 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 no. You do not get a pass for that. That is not what this is. Like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we can have a whole other episode. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, part of that is also shaking up what the, the common narrative is about disability, right? That like, Mm -hmm. this is the chronic illness perspective, which is the perspective that both you and I take where there's disability mixed in, but that, you know, it's a much more nuanced conversation and that, you know, you don't necessarily have to use a mobility aid to be someone who is disabled. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I experienced that when I went to go vote this year. You That's know? right. You did an awesome video about that. Can you tell everyone about this? Because I like, I remember seeing it after you had voted and I was like, yes, Nitika. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I was so, I was so angry, honestly. I did, the video was, was not angry, but I was very angry, which usually is what gets me to create things. Um, but yeah, I went to go vote and I got there. I got there early, you know, like a little bit before the actual line opened. I live in Manhattan and I, there, the line was five hours long when I got there. By the time I left there, the line had grown to eight hours long. Um, but when I got there, it was five hours long. And as I said, I got there early, you know, so I was really, I was kind of devastated. I'm not going to lie. I, that was, that's that feeling that only people who go through this know exactly what that feeling is. That moment that you're like, literally, it's like, am I going to make it? Like, that's how it feels, right? Although I don't have a life-threatening illness, that's, it is your survival. It is like making sure that you're okay. So I ended up advocating for myself. I literally 
heard, you know, our chronic on like curriculum and conversations and topics like in my head. And I was like, I think this is the part where people keep telling me that we should advocate for ourselves. Yes. Like I'm a patient too, right? So I'm practicing every day. So I was like, okay, what is advocating for myself look like right now? I was just like having this really basic conversation. And I ended up asking somebody, you know, who was one of the volunteers. And I said, I have arthritis. I can't stand in line for my max is about 90 minutes that I can really stand up. And she, she was like, we're, we're trained not to ask questions. It's okay if you do not have a mobility aid, because that was something I said, I don't have a cane or anything, but I can't, I can't stand here. So she took me to the disabled line and I'm not going to lie. It was, it was a little nerve wracking. Cause I, it's all that stigma of like, you know, well, I don't look, I don't look sick, you know, in quotes and all of those things. Um, but it was a moment of, of, you know, empowering myself to do it, to know that I was doing what was absolutely right for my body. And the line, which would have taken me five hours, took me 90 minutes, which I just said was my exact like limit that I could possibly do. And I was so grateful. So afterwards I was like, I don't want anyone else to feel this devastation that I felt just because they didn't know. So I made a video and was like, guys, tell, tell them that you need to go to the disabled line if you can't stand because you have an autoimmune disease or some, or pain or chronic, you know, pain or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty awesome. Cause like, I didn't even know about that. So, and I count myself as someone who's at least like, you know, pretty plugged into mm-hmm. like voting laws and, you know, democracy. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but seeing that video from you, which was in many ways also, I felt like it gave me permission. It gave so many of us permission to be able to advocate for ourselves in situations like that. You know, it was a reminder of your humanity as someone that we're all looking up to. Like there were so many elements of that, that post the video that you did that really, really shook up the conversation in a positive way in the ways that we're trying to do all the time, but it was so targeted for this particular issue. And like, in some ways, part of me is like, wow, you know, the line being five hours or eight hours, even in Manhattan is like, what a good sign. That means there were more people showing up, which we really needed. Yeah. But, you know, to be able to stand up for yourself when you're not walking around with a mobility aid and like, you know, finding ways to take care of yourself in a highly triggering situation, which the Mm -hmm. election already was, that's a big thing that like, that's among the many lessons you can learn from a community like this one is how to behave in situations like that, how to treat yourself. I I was wondering if you could also give us like a little rundown. You've mentioned a few things about the programming in the Chronicon Mm -hmm. community, and this is all virtual for anyone who hadn't caught on to that yet, right? Like it's a membership community. It's a social network, but there are also events that if you're a member are free to attend. So um, can you tell us a little bit about what that programming looks like and um, what kinds of topics that you're covering and sort of offering to people who are part of the community? Yeah. Um, so this is my favorite part. <laughs> I like it. So we've, had, we've had a few conversations about this and you're like, it's the programming. It's, it's my favorite. Programming. I'm like, everyone just comes so that we can just hang out and do all of this programming together. Um, because it's really what I've been doing since the beginning of my career. So it's, it's really deeply rewarding to create programming for people who actually really need it in this specific way. 
Um, and so, yeah. So next week, for example, we're doing um, the business of being you, which is our monthly uh, event that we're going to have. And it's really, it's also going to be a topic that we're going to be coming back to over and over again. And what the business of being you is all about is really empowering our community members to share their story in the way that makes them excited, right? So there's a lot of people in the community that, you know, aren't maybe as far along as you are, Lauren, with sharing their story, you know, so openly, but they want to, and they look at someone like you and they're just like, oh my God, she has a podcast. How do I do that? How did she do that? I don't understand. They have a thousand questions, which you do not have enough spoons to answer all of them, right? <laughs> so next next week, we have The Business of Being You is our first installment. And this one is a podcast roundtable. And we're going to be featuring you. We're going to be featuring Natalie Kelly from Plenty and, Plenty and Well with Nat. Um, also, Nikita Williams, who's a new um, member of our community. I realized she had a podcast. So I was like, you know what? Let's all just get together. And this is not only for women, just so you know, I happened to mention three women, but it's for any human being. So any any way you identify, we welcome you and we are excited to have you. Um, so yeah, so we're just going to be having a conversation about that. And we'll be doing that every month, one month about Instagram, one month about YouTube, things like that. And then we also teamed up with an amazing editor from Allure, which I'm really excited about. And we're talking about, she happens to have a skin disease as well. And so we're going to be talking about um, Chronically Beautiful. And that's the next event that we're having. And really, what does it mean to have a beauty routine when you have a skin disease that is so crazy? Or when you, you know, have a condition that doesn't make you feel as glamorous as you would like or makes you feel lethargic. Um, So talking about that, we're going to be doing that every month. We're also going to be which no one in the community knows this yet. So you're getting top secret information, Lauren. Um, But we're also going to be starting a new uh, segment and a new event that is going to be called Chronically Conscious. And we're going to be having meditation. So our first meditation, I know, I know. The meditation we did last week in our event last week was so loved by everybody that I was like, okay, we need a whole thing just about these meditations. And that was led by a community member, Regina, who's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Regina is incredible. So Regina is going to lead an amazing um, 15 minute meditation this coming month in December. And then um, in January, we're going to have like a longer meditation practice that she's going to do to start us off with the new year. Um, there's so many things. Every week we're doing community Q&A, which is great. So I get to talk to everybody and say like, how is this going for you? What's coming up? What do you want to see? And really, that's also a great time for people who are in the community to come to me and say, hey, I want to do an event about, you know, like finding a fun way to like take your pills every day or I don't know, whatever it might be. And I'm just like, yes, let's do that. Let's do it together. I'm so excited to feature you. So there's events like that every single week. Um, We also do content around, like there's tons of recipes that we've been sharing. Um, And so that's been really fun. We're going to start in January having a featured chef of the month. So we had Allison Morris was our first chef in November, Um, but it kind of just like came together that way. We weren't really sure what we were going to do about it. And so in January, we're officially having um, new chefs. So Phoebe Lapine of Feed Me Phoebe is going to be our first one. Amazing. And yeah, there's just, I could talk about the content for seven years. So that's just a but little sneak That's peek. a taster. Exactly. It's just to give people an idea of like, this is the kind of stuff that you'll have access to if you're a member. Um, and these are the kind of conversations that are happening on the network. And there, you also did like when the network first started, you did kind of like a meet and greet. I guess it was the community yes. Q&A 
of the month at that point. Well, but. so that was our chronic connecting event, which is separate from the Q&A. So the chronic connecting happens every month as well. Um, and we're also going to be starting a monthly self-love, self-love club. Um, so there's so much. Um, and you can come and go as you please. You know, you don't, if you don't have the bandwidth to go to all of the events, it's always fine. You get a recording of every single event that we do, which is really great. Um, but it's really fun because, you know, last week, so many of you got to meet each other and the chat was on fire and it was just amazing. We love the chat box. <laughs> oh, but I love it because that's the thing with this community. You don't have to force, you don't have to force it. You know, once you're in there, it's like everybody just gets each other which is amazing. You know, it's like, oh yeah, you're here. I know why you're here. Let's just like be here together, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So what is your ask for listeners today? What can they do to support you and the Chronicon community in your ongoing work? Yeah. So I think, you know, I would love to have whoever's listening as a member. I mean, that is really the best, the best place to start. Um, we give a free week trial for anyone who signs up for the monthly membership, which is really exciting. And we give a month off if you sign up for a year and the year, the year price is about the same ticket price as a chronic con event was for, you know, one day. So if you think Think about it that way. Um, but you get events every week, multiple events a week and content every day. So it's a pretty great, we try to price it really um, reasonably and, you know, just to make sure we're taking care of everyone. And it, we are going to add, I have to add this to the, the page, but um, we do also offer scholarships. If people are in need of the support and their finances are just not where they need them to be to, you know, make a monthly payment or do a yearly payment, this community is for you. It's not really about, um, although, you know, we, we charge for it for multiple different reasons. Me being a woman of color, solopreneur myself, um, you know, putting resources into the community, into the company is super important, but that's not why I'm doing it, you know? So I think for those of you who need a scholarship, never hesitate to reach out and let us know as well. But for those of you who, who feel like they can, they can swing it, we're excited to have you. And yeah, you get a free trial. I love that. And there's been, I mean, this episode's going to air in um, early December, but you've been doing a few little things here and there to sort of like offer, you know, extra months off and things like that. But it's always good to get in touch. And, and that's super important. I, I was wondering as well, because you know, I love to wrap up with like a top three list. I was wondering if you've got some tips that you could share. I mean, you're so, so happily ensconced in this community. You're so close with so many members of the community. And um, if you have three tips that you could share for living well with chronic illness that you've gleaned from your interactions with other patient advocates or that you have experienced yourself, what would you share with listeners today? Yeah. I mean, there's so much that, you know, that we could share. And I think there's probably so much that you've already heard too, right? Because you're probably pros at dealing with your own health. But for me, um, I would say, as weird as this might sound, um, having a morning routine that just makes me, it's, it's not to be trendy. It really just helps me so much. I've noticed, especially during the pandemic, just having, it's, it's just anchoring for me. And I think that when you do have a chronic condition, it can feel kind of annoying and exhausting to always be like doing the self-care thing because it's like how we literally survive. 
Um, but it's really helped me and, and, you know, having that breakfast every morning, having my oat milk latte, like, you know, taking my vitamins, whatever, whatever it is in your morning routine, it's not really about that. It's about you figuring out what that feels, what feels good to you. But I do find that that's really helped my mental health a lot to feel like, especially during a pandemic where I'm just like, what am I, why am I here again? Again, the same day, same living room every day. Okay. (laughs) Got it. Um, you know, but there is something anchoring about like, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do these three things and this is what my morning is going to look like. And then I can figure the rest of the day out. Um, I also think that, you know, this is part of why the community is so important to me, but even outside of the community, just fostering relationships, like investing in your relationships. I think one of the things that's come out of the pandemic for a lot of my friends, I think, is that they're like, oh, now we get why you've always really, you know, invested in relationships. When things hit the fan and you don't have as many distractions and you're not running around like a chicken with your head cut off doing a hundred things, you really, you know, you need people. You need people. You need people. I love how that's just occurring to able-bodied people now. Like, oh, we need people. Like, we're like, we've been screaming it for a while now. (laughs) Right? And I'm just like, uh, I learned this when I was like in bed for like the better part of six years and couldn't walk and I had to like call people and reach out, right? So yeah, I agree. I was kind of like, I'm sorry, you're just figuring this out. Why do you think I call you consistently and all these things? Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this, you probably already invest in your relationships um, on some level, but I, I think that's a really huge one. And then, you know, something that I've been thinking about a lot um, is this amazing quote by the African-American poet Toy Derricotte. And she says that joy is an act of resistance. And it's something that people have said a lot lately, but not always given her credit. So I I think it's important to name her, to say her name. Mm. And, um, you know, I didn't really understand what that meant when I heard it. We say it a lot in the resistance revival course that I'm a part of, but it really is in the face of so much suffering, in the face of so much trauma, whether it's in your own body or around you in the world, it is really an act of resisting all of the things that are trying to oppress us and keep us down to choose joy. And I don't mean choose it in a way that, you know, belittles how hard that is or that makes it sound flippant that, oh, you just can choose something and it's over. I just mean the act of practice of engaging in something that brings you joy. So for me, singing does that. And I try to do that, you know, as often as I can, but even I forget sometimes. And and when I start to do it again, it really makes a huge difference. Um, But whatever you can do, just obviously safely from your home, that makes you laugh. Like this weekend, I spent so much time watching stupid TikTok videos. I was like kind of (laughs) embarrassed and ashamed. I was like, oh my God, it's 1130 in the morning and I've been spending two (laughs) hours watching these TikToks. You were doing TikTok. I was stuck on Dr. Pimple Popper because that's my Oh (laughs) God. Okay. See, but I was just like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. I watched two hours of stupid funny TikTok videos because this just increased my serotonin so much by the amount that I just laughed. Like Yes, this is this is needed. So those are those are some of my tips. I love that. Uh, dare I ask what is next in your advocacy journey? I mean, this is sort of like this is what's happening right now and like it's enough to focus on, but even for your wellness journey, like what are what's happening next for Nitika? Yeah, you know, I really have no idea. <laughs> 
Yeah, great. It's kind I mean, of like, that's actually, I set you up to fail with that question. So like, I don't mean, even worry. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm planning out chronic on community content and that brings me a lot of joy. I think one of the things that has been really humbling about 2020 is that thinking in the future seems really strange right now. You know, it, it used to be really fun to be like, I'm going to land all these things and go all these places and, and all this stuff. And, and that's great. And I can't wait for us to be able to do all of that again. But I think in this moment of us being forced to be still, just creating and nurturing the community is really all that is on my heart and, and continuing to work on my health, my own health journey um, on a daily basis, which I, which I will always do. I love that. Nitika, is there anything else you'd like to share with everyone before I let you go? Um, yes. <laughs> Lauren is amazing. And Aww. I know I don't have to tell you that because if you've made it this far in the interview, you're probably already obsessed with her. No, they're but obsessed I, with you. That's why they're no. <laughs> But I just really, I just really want to shout you out. And I, I mean, we do shout each other out all the time. Pretty it's like much what we do day. for a living. It's like basically what we do. Like if we got paid for how much we shout each other out, we We'd would be, be millionaires. Millionaires. Because <laughs> um, we just, yeah, it's really a very special thing that um, I get to have you in my life and a part of the community and just in my corner and that I get to be in your corner. It brings me tremendous joy. And I just think you're so incredibly amazing. And I just want to make sure everybody knows that. Well, thank you so much, Nitika. The the feeling is oh so mutual and my face hurts from smiling so much during this interview. I feel kind of like, doesn't that count as cardio? Heck yes, it does. Let me just check yes. my little activity tracker and see if it's like. Did they pick it up? Um, they better, because let me tell you, my face is toned. Okay. Oh my god, yes, <laughs> Nitika. It's been as always such a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm so excited for everyone who's about to discover Chronicon. I'm so excited for those who are in the community who are continuing to participate, and um, there is so much gorgeous beautiful togetherness ahead for all of us. And I mean, talk about joy as an act of resistance that you have actively sought to bring people together in a world where we are more splintered than ever. Um, That is perhaps the most beautiful and peaceful response to the chaos of the last several years and, uh, and COVID and everything. So I'm just so grateful for your presence and for the work you do and, and for bringing us all together and so mindfully and, um, so openly and honestly. So thank you so much for being on the show today and remind everyone where they can find you and, uh, Chronicon as well. Please remind them. And I'll obviously link to all this on the webpage for the episode too. Yeah. Just go to, um, at Chronicon official and follow us on Instagram. And then chronicon.co is where all of our, all of our links and things are. So check that out as well. I love it. Nitika Chopra. What a joy. What an act of resistance. What a wonderful mutual appreciation club we do have. I look forward to having you on again soon. And uh, yeah, guys, go check it out. Um, Chronicon is amazing. It was amazing from the start. It is amazing as it continues to go on and change and, and adjust to the world around us. And Nitika Chopra, you are a light. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lauren. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. As always, please check us out online at uninvisiblepod.com and all over the social media world at uninvisiblepod. 
We love your feedback and suggestions, so please drop us a line via the website if you have questions, ideas for topics to cover in future episodes, or just want to say hello. We're all about relationships and collaboration here, so credit where credit is due. Music for this episode is by Sean Hart, who can be found at seanhart.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.